Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first lesson is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, and verses 20 through 24. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the water courses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their pasture." There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Now to verse 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide, I will save my flock and they shall no longer be ravaged and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. And be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to eat. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. 
I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. All right, friends. Nice cheerful scripture for us this morning. Um, it's tradition that every time that I have the opportunity to preach, uh, that you get another opportunity to catch a glimpse as to what makes Aaron Licklider Aaron Licklider. And so today, you get another opportunity for the same. So when I was in high school, my junior and senior year, I got really involved with the TV and radio production program that was offered at my high school, and I fell in love with it. In particular, I fell in love with the radio side of things. I got the opportunity to host and DJ and engineer, run the soundboard, um, and guest star on a couple of shows, um, but it was a blast. It was, it was truly one of the things that I treasure from my high school experience and one of the few things during my high school years that I would actually prepare for. My mom can attest to this. Homework was not one of my top priorities while I was doing uh, most of my schoolwork or not doing most of my schoolwork. Um, but I would prepare for these radio shows because we'd have to put together a slate that had all of the things that we were going to be doing, had to catalog music that was going to fill all of the, the gaps between the conversations that we were having on the air, um, had to make sure that we hit the top of the hour marks so that we could do our ad breaks so that we would be able to stay on the air and keep the, keep the address for our radio station. And one of the things that I would do to prepare for the shows, because being a high school boy, I was obsessed with sports. I would wake, wake up early or stay up later at night so that I could watch a show on ESPN called First Take. Now keep in mind this was 2011, 2010, so that was, quick math, 12 years ago. Humbling, humbling, uh, 12 years ago. So First Take had two hosts, Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. Both of them absolutely ridiculous characters in their own right wild, spicy hot takes every single day, and full of, uh, we'll call it obstinance for one another. Um, they didn't agree on a lot of things. And one of the things that you could set your watch to on their show, on the top of the hour, almost every single day, they'd have a debate about who was the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Typically in 2010, 2011, this conversation was centered around Michael Jordan, 
being the greatest basketball player of all time or the up-and-coming LeBron James. Now, my friend Anderson from here at First Pres will tell you that it's LeBron, but my father would kill me if I didn't advocate for a Michael Jordan from the pulpit today. <laughs> and in the world of football, the conversation was about Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning being the greatest quarterback of all time. And as a lifelong Colts fan, uh, I would like to say that it's Peyton Manning, but unfortunately it's hard to argue with the hardware that Tom Brady has accrued throughout his career. But throughout the time that I would watch this show first take, they'd have the same argument over and over and over again, talking about the same thing over and over again. And it's only gotten worse as time has gone by because now it's not just first take. There's all kinds of other shows out there as well that you can listen to, and they're all doing the same thing. They're still having the same argument. Who's better, LeBron or Michael Jordan? Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Is it now Patrick Mahomes? We don't know. It's frustrating, it's exhausting, and I got tired of it. I'm fed up with it. And I feel like what's happening on first take and in some of these other shows is happening sometimes when we take a look at this Matthew 25 text. You see, I've heard this scripture preached on, taught on, and used at camps and conference centers uh, throughout my time in, in ministry. Um, and every single time I think I've heard somebody from the pulpit or the teacher talk about the judgment or talking about how to know whether or not you're a sheep or a goat. And in this situation, in this parable that Jesus is delivering, it's not a good thing to be a goat, right? We don't, we don't want to be those. We want to be the sheep. But when I, when I hear people talk about this text, I think that they're missing the mark. They're getting distracted, sort of like what's happening on First Take or these other sports debate shows where we want to find some security in determining who goes where and, and what's okay and what's not. And instead, we are, while doing so, we miss what's happening right in front of us. There's so much great basketball that's happening on a regular basis, so much great football that's happening that we can miss if we talk about or if we're consumed by trying to figure out who's the best. And I think that the same thing is true with this Matthew 25 text. You see, if we focus on the judgment and figuring out which side of Jesus we're sitting in, we're missing the, the clear instructions that Jesus provides for us here. So today, let us remember, let me remind myself, that we're gathered here in reverence and to worship the true greatest of all time, that being the Alpha and Omega, our Lord and Savior, our Heavenly Father, the Most High God. There is no debate there. What I'd like to suggest is that while we are here in this space together, that we take a moment to revisit the Matthew 25 scripture and let's think about whether or not if we focus on judgment, we're missing an opportunity for something greater. So another thing for those of you who are worshiping here for, with us for the first time or have not heard from me before, uh, I had an opportunity to preach earlier this month and I... I'm a big fan of Eugene Peterson and the work that he has done in putting together the message translation. It's a beautiful uh, labor of love. And what I love most about it is that it's so dynamic in the words that he uses and it's also tremendously accessible. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you today his translation of the Matthew 25 text. So let us open our ears so that we might hear. 
When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, Get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because... I was hungry, and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was homeless, and you gave me no bed. I was shivering, and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison, and you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison, and we didn't help? And he will answer them, I am telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. I mentioned that I've heard this text preached on and taught on several times, and there's a lot of emphasis on that doom and gloom portion. But I think that we're missing a key chunk right there in the middle that's filled with hope and justice, and opportunity. And I'd like to think on those things together as a group. Because I'd like to share with you two experiences that I've had that were sort of negative experiences, that if I hadn't been uh, firm in my faith and established in a church, they may have uh, led me in a different direction. Not too long ago, I was walking home, and I was walking on Broadway, and I was accosted by a couple of gentlemen that had pickets with scripture printed on them. And uh, they told me that I needed to get right with the Lord, that I was a heathen living in sin and a drunkard. Um, all of this because I was walking down Broadway. They had, a, they had figured out who I was that at, just by taking a look at me. They had, they, had, they had figured out the sum of my parts. And that was troubling because I don't think that that's what Jesus is in the business of doing. And yet that's what those people were trying to tell me, telling me that I needed to change the way I was living my life and that I was living in sin, even though I was just trying to get home. I was not trying to go to the bar or carry on or do anything like that. There's a second story that comes to my mind. I was on a road trip with my family and we stopped to get gas at a gas station. And I hopped out of the car because I was relegated to the back seat and I needed to stretch my legs. And I remember as dad's filling up the car with gas, there's this panel van that pulls up and they start filling their tank. And they've got a date that's painted on the side of the van 
and they've got scripture scrawled on the side of it as well that I'm sure they've used to substantiate their claims that they've figured out when the day of judgment is going to come to pass. There are people much like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless that focus on one thing and they can't see the larger picture. It's important for us to do the same thing when we take a look at this text. Because while it's important to understand that, yes, Christ does sit in judgment, Christ also provides us a lesson and a decree. I'd like to remind you of what Jesus says directly. He says, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Here Jesus is providing us with directions this morning. We, the church, all of Christendom, are called to be doing these things. Imagine what the world could be like if that were to come to pass. If the church would listen to the words of Christ and stop looking around and casting judgment on others, and instead, if we began to truly care for all of God's beloved people. Today is Christ the King Sunday, which is an interesting holiday and an interesting time in our church calendar, not one that gets lifted up and celebrated as often as I think that it should. It's a, a special day that marks the end of the liturgical calendar, meaning that Advent is just around the corner. Today is an opportunity to think about the sovereignty of God, the way that our God has been faithful and present in our lives. It's an opportunity to reflect on just how awesome our God truly is, he is the creator of all things. This day is always observed on the last Sunday before Advent begins. It was set aside in ancient times as a day on which the church should reflect on the fact that Jesus Christ is king, our king, and that it is the birth of the eternal king that we celebrate during Advent, and that it is for Jesus as the returning king that we will wait during this season. As I said, Christ the King Sunday is not a day that's typically recognized or lifted up in the modern church. And I think I understand why. Me personally, I don't know if you can relate, but I don't have a whole lot of experience dealing with kings in my life. I don't have a whole lot to draw upon as far as personal experience. Um, I don't have a connection or an understanding of what a king really does or what it is like to serve a king and live in a kingdom. The closest I've come is probably serving as king of the court in basketball or a lengthy tenure in the king's square while playing four square in elementary school. Neither of those games involve being ruled or submitting to or depending on the gracious provision of a king. So I understand that the image of Christ as king can be a foreign concept at times. It's a difficult one to imagine. So I think and I imagine for the sake of being relevant, and wanting to not confuse people, we avoid such reflections. Perhaps for the sake of relevance, we do so, but I think that it's at the expense of meaningful worship, at the cost of learning more about who Jesus is, and it results in a loss of appreciation for the church's worship itself. And as foreign as the image might be, today is the perfect opportunity for us to worship Jesus Christ as our King, to pray to him as our King, and to think on what it means to serve him. It's at this time that I'd like to circle back and think on that list of things that Jesus shared with the sheep and the goats. We as servants of the King Jesus Christ are called to meet the needs of our fellow human beings. 
not because it's the right thing to do or because it makes us feel good inside. There has been a royal decree to help the overlooked and the ignored. This means that the church has a responsibility to be active in mission work, to serve our local community, to help where we can across the world. But as individuals, we also have a responsibility. We're called ourselves to open our eyes and to be looking for and to see Jesus all around us. It's right there in the text. Jesus says himself that he is the hungry, the homeless, the sick, the thirsty, the naked, and the imprisoned. The things which Jesus picks out, giving a hungry man a meal, a thirsty man a drink, welcoming a stranger, comforting the sick and visiting the prisoner, are things which anyone can do. It's not a question of giving away all that we own, like the rich young ruler is tasked with, or even becoming a saint. It's a case of giving simple help to the people that we encounter every day. We also need to keep an eye out for the reasons that we serve others. Those who served in Jesus' parable did not think that they were serving the king and were not concerned about building up their treasures in heaven. They served because they could not stop themselves. It was the most natural, instinctive, uncalculating reaction for those who truly knew Jesus. Compare that with the attitude of those who failed to serve the goats. It's almost like they were saying, well, Jesus, if I had known it was you, I would have, of course, gone out of my way to meet your needs. But that's missing the point. The service which the king deserves is given for no other reason than the sake of serving. Friends, I think that maybe the most challenging piece of this scripture has nothing to do with righteous judgment or the list of specific tasks that Jesus gives us, but it's instead the fact that Jesus confronts us with the wonderful truth that all service given to others is service given to him. If we want to serve our eternal, generous, and humble king, then we must realize that we can only do so by serving others. Too often, we like to place ourselves in positions of authority. I myself am included. I think that that's largely because I like to exercise control uh, to make myself feel secure and safe. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. But I think that that manifests here in the world with people wanting to decide who's in and who's out, who's deserving of help and who isn't. Thank God that we're not the king. Thank God that we're not the shepherd tending the flock. While we do have a responsibility as Christ calls us, we on this Christ the King Sunday get to recognize that we are not in control, that we are also being cared for and protected. I'd like to read for you again the scripture that Alice read for our first scripture reading from Ezekiel from um, the message. God the Master says, from now on, I myself am the shepherd. I'm going looking for them. As shepherds go after their flocks when they get scattered, I'm going after my sheep. I'll rescue them from all the places they've been scattered to in the storms. I'll bring them back from foreign peoples, gather them from foreign countries, and bring them back to their home country. I'll feed them on the mountains of Israel, among the streams, among their own people. I'll lead them into lush pastures so they can roam the mountain pastures of Israel. Graze at leisure, feed in the rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. And I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make sure they get plenty of rest. I'll go after the lost. I'll collect the strays. I'll doctor the injured. 
I'll build up the weak ones and oversee the strong ones too, so that they're not exploited. Our God is our shepherd. They are in control. They tend the flock. They protect, nurse, feed, and guide. We have been invited and instructed in how we can participate in this great plan. Let us keep this fact in our hearts and minds as we prepare for this Advent season and a new year. Let us not get bogged down in debates, but instead come together in service of one another, our, our sisters and brothers in Christ. Friends, today we celebrate and reflect upon the fact that Jesus Christ is our King. When we see him in that way, we have no other option than to serve him obediently. And the best and the only way to serve our King is by serving others. Let us always remember this truth. We cannot celebrate Jesus as our king. We cannot worship him as our king if we are not willing to serve others as though they were him. Amen. Amen.